you're looking for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Recording, hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Recording podcast episode one forty nine. What's going on, Neil? What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good. Got a great guest with us today, Andrew Wakefield, who's had quite a day. <laughs> yeah, dude, we've had a lot better day than he has. <laughs> Welcome, Andrew. Uh, glad to be here, man. You finally get to sit down and take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what's going on this morning, man. Uh, or I guess afternoon now. Yeah. Well. uh, I uh, was about five minutes away, and the truck broke down, and you had to come pick me up, and we got the truck at the the auto place, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Man, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's something simple, like uh, you were telling us about those wires. Maybe they can just connect something back, and it'll be ready to go. I'm hoping that's what it is. I don't want to stay in that hotel again. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Deal, so I told him about the... Uh, Week to week down here in Fairdale, and he said it was quite an experience. <laughs> it was a crunchy hotel. You stay there. Can we cuss on here? Yeah. Yes. It was a crunchy ass place, man. It was oh. it was grimy. Oh. Yeah, I the toilet imagine. Toilet didn't work. What? Yep. First thing I did was take a shit when I got in there. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I'm not I'm Then not, you had to live with it, huh? Yeah, and then I had to just oh. put the top on. I was like, I'm not calling anybody because there's nobody here and it's late. And I just went. Yeah, you said they shut down the uh, sh- shut down the lobby for security reasons. And- That's what the the sign said. I walked in and uh, there were some shady looking characters, and then on the the thing it says call because they close at nine due to security reasons. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I totally believe it. Pretty sure it had bed bugs too. Oh man, hope you don't have them now. I probably do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my fiance is gonna love me bringing that home. Oh yeah, that'd oh, be wonderful. Man. Oh goodness. So we don't want we don't want to tell anybody about the whatever it's called down there. No, no, not, yeah, I'm not actually, gonna tell. We might we might need to tell everybody. Well, <laughs> it's the only place in this whole area, so I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be screwing them over if I told you who it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll keep it on the DL. I'll let you, I'll let y'all find out for yourself. <laughs> so, man, Neil, before we get going here, let's talk about what we're having. I've never had fighting cock, fighting cock whiskey or bourbon. <laughs> uh, it's 103 proof. It's not bad. Yeah, well, Andrew can't join us, but cheers, man. He's cheers, driving buddy. back to North Carolina. This hey, afternoon. By the way, hopefully that is, we hope we yeah. hope you're driving back yeah. this afternoon. I hope so too. Yeah, we're going to keep a positive attitude. I do want to reaffirm that is not a joke name. That's the name of this this bourbon. Yeah, fighting, fighting cock. cock. Yeah, and it's from uh, Barchtown, so it's not like a, a South Carolina bourbon. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. a. Mm. It's not bad. And y'all are making me thirsty. Because <laughs> that's really an inexpensive good. bourbon, right? It was like eighteen, seventeen ninety nine. Yeah. You know, it's not like uh, 103 proof, just, you know, one little afternoon bourbon. Oh, you know. That's very drinkable. I mean, there's not, it's not like, uh, it's pretty simple, which you, you'd expect for that price range, but yeah. Yeah. Well, man, Andrew, the way we always start this podcast, we're going to ask you to go back to childhood and talk about your early memories of music and how music got to be so important to you. And then maybe, maybe if there's a point that stands out where you realize, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this as, as something very important in my life. Uh, well, 
I come from a musical family. My my we used to sing together and kind of were like a family band for holidays and church stuff. Um, my folks were Baptist missionaries, so we sang all the time hymns and Christmas stuff and uh, like world traveling missionaries. Or uh, yeah, we lived in South Korea my first ten years. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah, so uh, we um, played a lot of church music and. My dad was really into rock and roll and classic rock and stuff. And uh, when I was younger, he could play any instrument, pretty That's much. Not very Baptist, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> there, there were a couple bands that were off limits, like Black Sabbath, <laughs> stuff like that. But I mean, he was into Zeppelin and all the good stuff, Beatles and everything. So, uh, cool. Yeah, he had great taste in music, and he was probably my number one inspiration for for everything. To be honest, I mean, he. Oh, that's awesome. He he knew how to play all that stuff, and he he could play just about any instrument. I mean, he'd play a flute, he'd play a, a harmonica, flute. he'd play a piano, and I just thought that was so cool. And uh, you know, when we lived in Korea, it was only pop music. There wasn't really too much good stuff. But uh, so back then, it was like Michael Jackson and K-pop. Is that what it is? Uh, not back then. Thank God. <laughs> back then, it was American pop. Um, but so I was doing that and just singing as a little kid in the shower. And I used to play a tennis racket before I could play guitar. And I'd jump on the bed and listen to Michael Jackson and pretend I was playing guitar. And uh, I tried piano and I wasn't very good. And I tried drums and I wasn't very good. And then I uh, picked up the guitar in fourth grade. I was 10. Tried all that stuff before 10, man. Yeah. Were you in Korea when you picked up the guitar? It was right when we moved back. Okay. Yep. That's Texas. Texas. Yep. And when we moved back, I had two older sisters, and um, I was pretty young, but they were teenagers, So, or Kara was, and she had all the cool music. She had all these CD cases with God knows what, Nine Inch Nails, Beastie Boys, you know, Nirvana, all the 90s music. So I would steal a CD, at a t- one CD at a time out of her case so she didn't get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I would uh, listen to all of them religiously. <laughs> and uh, I learned power chords, which is like the cheat code of all guitar. Uh, I don't know if you know that. They're the but best. Yeah, I mean, if you if you can play a power chord, you can play any chord yeah. because yeah. it's just the one and the five. So I learned power chords, which basically was the key to playing any song that I heard I could play, sort of. And uh, How did I, you learn that? Um, my dad taught me. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he gave me a couple lessons there at the beginning. Um, but uh, I played When I Come Around at my fourth grade talent show. No kidding. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes, sir. Everybody thought it was Glycerine, the Bush song, and I was pissed. It's <laughs> 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 uh, pretty impressive, though. You pick up the guitar and immediately go into to a public performance. Yeah. If well, you you want to call remember, it that. He, he already went through six instruments by the time he got yeah. the guitar. He was yeah. ready for a public performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our elementary talent shows everybody just act like they play the guitar. <laughs> I, I, like I did uh, principal's office by what uh, uh, Bismarck? No, it wasn't Bismarcky. Like kid and play or something? No. no. Off to the principal's office we go. <laughs> for, oh, for for a so he is a rapper. You performance? Asked, yeah, I, I, I knew you were a rapper. rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Called it. Called you it. certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> he knew you were a rapper. You forgot about it. Yeah, dude, I completely forgot about it. So who is it? Neil sounds like uh, my buddy John. He lives in Georgia. My yeah. last name's John Stone. No, hmm. no, his name's John Adams, and you guys just have the same like rhythm. I don't know. You... John Adams, that's quite an American name. That is his American name. It is. <laughs> it is. John Adams, I salute you, my friend. He, he's a patriot. <laughs> <laughs> he might be listening right now. Say, that dude does sound like me. He's like, jeez. So John John Adams is a rapper? He he was for a long time. But yeah, he he, he and you have the same. I don't know, man. It's just. I hope it, I got. Uh, maybe I got. I'm going to get my flow back. You need to get your pra- flow back. Practicing your M&M, no, man. No, 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 no. I don't want to do that. I'm on my own thing. Okay. Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> I ain't, I'm not Detroit. All right, so I'm, all right, that is weird because have you ever seen anybody or, or heard anybody, I guess, that has freaked you out that it's it's looked like you or sounded like you, at least inside your head, that like that person 
is amazingly. I, I've had one instance. Have you ever had an instance I, where you like that's I my doppelganger? Not, I have not had anybody that sounds like me. I don't think. I've heard people tell me about people they know, but no, I've never met. Uh, actually, I do have a buddy um, named Jackson in Asheville. That there's one picture that we took together, and everybody was like, "You're the same person." But other than that, and when I used to have hair, people told me I'd look like Jeff Gordon. I can see oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Dude. I can definitely see <laughs> that. Man, Lucy, I never seen it until now, but dude, I definitely see it now. Need you a baseball cap? Can you drive? Yeah, I can drive. Yeah, I can drive fast too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, drove uh, me here. Yeah, how'd yeah, he do? We, Good job. Yeah, we made it. So, uh, I remember playing this gig one time and it was out uh, out, out of, in St. Matthew's somewhere. And it was this little bitty spot. I think it was a place that like used to be a Denny's or something, but now it was this bar or whatever. That was a happening music yeah, venue. It was definitely not that. It was just something <laughs> and I was playing it. And there was this guy that was there. He was my age, maybe a couple years younger. I think he was Ryan West's friend, a friend of Ryan West or something. And I swear... I was I was double taken. I was like, he looks just like me. <laughs> I mean, back then, definitely not now. You know, I was a little bit bigger of a guy back then. And but uh, that's, that's the one time in my life. I don't know if anybody else thought that, but I most certainly did. <laughs> that weird? No, no. I wish I, I wish like I, you know you looked at somebody that was like. Super handsome. Was like, we look just alike. <laughs> that guy sure is good looking. That's a good guy. It totally looks like me. <laughs> a doppelganger. Ryan, yeah. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> We're basically the same person. Same dude. So, Andrew, you, you played your fourth grade talent show, and everybody thought you were playing a different song. But uh, did you? Did the bug bite you there? Did you realize you wanted to keep this going? I did. I mean, I never had anyone push me to play. I mean, I was just obsessed. Yeah. I never never took lessons other than my dad teaching me a couple things when I was when I just got started, but I was just obsessed. I mean, I'd come home from school and I'd play for hours and hours and hours. I just play along with stuff and you've still never taken lessons or have you no, later? Never yeah. had a lesson. Yeah. I, I did a workshop actually with Grant Green, the jazz guitarist. I did a workshop one time. And I think yeah, I think that's about it. But that was just like a one one day thing. You just go in and so you had a guitar in your hands all the time. Pretty much, yeah. From fourth grade forward, yeah. I wasn't very good back then. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first guitar that you're really excited about that you got? Um, okay, this is a little Ooh. embarrassing, but uh, you know, back then, no, actually, uh, I can tell the cooler one. That's that's better. Oh, let's hear the embarrassing uh, one give, and the cool I'll one. Give you the, I'll give you the <laughs> let's hear embarrassing both. one, and then I'll I'll give you the cool one, and then I'll give you the embarrassing one. Oh, okay. cool one was I, I was obsessed with Zeppelin, and so I um, the guitar oh, that I st learned to play on was just some shitty like I don't know, co co you know, off brand piece of crap, which I think is a good way to learn anyway. Mm -hmm. But uh, then my dad, um, you know, he we used to just. Get uh, you know, musicians' friend magazine. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that was like my porn. Like, deal, I would yeah. just, deal of the day, <laughs> dude. I would oh. just drool, and I would wait for the day for that magazine to come, and I would just hours and hours be like, "Oh, I want that, I want that." <laughs> but anyway, my dad finally bought a uh, Epiphone Les Paul, which at the time Zeppelin was like my shit. So All right. that was really cool. And the uncool story is, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's cool. I, I do like Dave Matthews Band, but when I was younger. Oh, yeah. I uh, was really into Dave, and uh, he he played an ovation, you know, and uh, which is I a terrible it. guitar. I said it. Did you hear me? Yeah, I heard you say that. Yeah. I said he's going to say he's going to say ovation. ovation. Oh, <laughs> call it. There's some there's some energy in the air today. Some psychic nah, energy. Dude, it's man. just ovation. They're my. I hate them. They're the worst. <laughs> I hate them. They're and, the absolute worst. I tell you, uh, Dave Matthews, man. So uh, I, I was there for a long time. I loved Dave Matthews growing up. Loved, loved Dave Matthews growing up. Um, seen him a ton. Seen him with him and Tim at the Palace. Seen a lot of cool shows. Then went on a, I am not doing this anymore, uh, hiatus with, with uh, Dave Matthews. Even back to the day when, like, he was at Hollabaloo. I went, nope, not going. My buddy th came in from out of town, paid for tickets, bought him, did the full deal. No, not going. I've seen him enough. 
I'm over it. Um, Dave Matthews for me was one of those that I really, really liked. Dave Matthews, like if a song came on the radio, Dave Matthews song, I'd turn it up, jam to it. But then after two of them, I'm done. That's enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard all, <laughs> all I want to hear. He's very polarizing. People, <laughs> people hate him, you know, with a passion. And he's I'll, like a banjo. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, exactly. Well, to let me, my friend Jeremy. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what. We did the, you know, been doing festivals and stuff. We're going to do some. We saw, I think they headlined Railbird. Not, I let them not last year because there wasn't one last year, but the year before, I think they were one of the headlining acts. And it was the second night, I believe. It had cooled down. It it finally felt decent again. Um, and it was, I was like, holy shit, man, they still got it. It was awesome. It was really. was this? This was a couple years ago, but yeah. the, but my buddy Jim Hartner, shout out Jim Hartner, um, he loves them, but he didn't find them until late. I mean, like ten years ago, late started liking them. So because he started liking Zach Brown Band and then them, or maybe it was the other way. Around, I don't remember, but he just started liking, like loving them. Um, and I was over it the entire time, but dude. I was pleasantly surprised when when I did see him recently. I was like, "Hey, man, I get it again. I'm not going to go see you they on crush. purpose." But they crush live. I mean, yeah. when you see them live, you, I don't see how anybody could go to a show and say this sucks. Yeah. So, Andrew, what do you hate about Ovation? Oh God, <laughs> um, it's so funny because when I uh, that was the guitar when my parents were like, "We're going to buy you a nice guitar," I was like. <laughs> so they took me to Guitar Center and they bought me this, I think it was an $800 ovation. And uh, it's just, you know, back then I didn't... Was it shallow? No, it was shallow and the electronics sounded great, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for what it was, if you're a singer-songwriter, I could see how it'd be good because the electronics are quite nice. And and when they first came out, they were like revolutionary, the, the electronics that were on those things. But, uh, you know, I play bluegrass now. And so it's like... There's no way you're going to a bluegrass picking party or a picking circle with your with ovation. a plastic guitar. <laughs> you get laughed out the front door. So um, but I had an ovation, and uh, I told we told this story not too long ago. Neil and uh, we had a podcast. Neil and a guy named Phil Bright owns a local recording studio, and they they shamed me into uh, selling it. <laughs> they said you can't have a guitar made out of plastic you can't even call it a guitar no. I ended up smashing it <laughs> did you? yeah smashing it out. intentionally? Or? oh yeah <laughs> yeah we, we were living in uh, we were living in the ghetto actually and uh, those were some wild times but uh, I think uh, I had just gotten so sick of it because I was like I hate this guitar I hate this guitar I hate this guitar and finally one day I smashed it Oh. instead of selling it oh, but I, I had trade. already I had really worn that thing in I mean it didn't. I don't think anybody would have bought it. So. Oh, somebody would have bought it. It's somebody. uh, it's it's damn near impossible to play sitting down with it on your lap. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> so uh, Daryl Ray used to have an ovation, and he loved it. And the other thing I hated about ovation, I don't know if yours did this or not, but they always cracked down the bridge. Like so, so here's your saddle. From there to the, oh, the edge yeah. of the guitar would would crack because although the wood would. Would, wood and plastic expands differently. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So the plastic wouldn't allow the wood to do what it naturally does, so it would always crack right there. So he had one of the, you know, $2,000 beautiful, the inlay was perfect, cracks down the thing, sounded awesome when you plugged it in. But the one thing I always remembered is that he put Velcro on the bottom, so every time he sat down <laughs> to play, it would attach to his jeans or whatever he was using, so it would just slide. <laughs> it'd slide out every time you sit down. Yeah, it's... Uh, those things are Where's my corduroy pants? I'm yeah. playing the ovation tonight. Where's guitar. my Velcro pants? <laughs> Ever. Honey. Yeah, did you dude. like the neck, Andrew? I did like the neck, I did actually. too. I like the neck. They on it, way felt. play yeah. great. They're just <laughs> stupid. They are. I do like big old baseball bat necks, though, which is apparently pretty rare. But uh, yeah, they, they had a nice thick neck, and that was always good it, for me. Yeah. Got a 1980 Guild uh, D40 NT down at the house. That has one a baseball bat neck on. I was playing it the other day, and that was the one. I was like, "Oh man, this is just—it's nice." <laughs> I think it sounds 
it, I think uh, guitars with bigger necks sound better too. And they're weighty as hell. Yeah. But where did your uh, where where did your performing go from the uh, after the fourth grade talent show? Um, I just from then all the way through high school, I just would come home from school and listen to the music I liked and play along with it. And then in high school, I so got that's how you learn. Just uh, did you learn by playing songs? Just learning songs and playing those, or did you rehearse scales? And not really. I mean, I knew I knew the blues scale, and so I knew that thing up and down. And that I pretty much I would back then I would just transpose the blues scale onto whatever I was doing. Um, so I I, I was really into. Uh, Let's see, I, I got into hippie music in high school. And I was doing the hippie thing for a long time, but I wasn't playing out until I think I was 17. Going to my first band uh, called Blue Brew. Mm. And uh, it was my buddy Matt Love, who was like the guy in LaGrange, Georgia. He was like the guy. And uh, they were all in their 20s, except for me and Jacob. We were super young, and so I felt so happy to be there. And I played lead guitar for them for um, a couple years, and then what were you guys playing? What kind of music? Yeah, uh, jam band, rock, classic. You know, kind of like Van Morrison-y mm -hmm. stuff too, though. Um, Writing, uh, we would. Yeah, he's a great songwriter. Yeah, yeah. Um, we would do like, uh, oh, what is that? I don't remember, but a lot of Van Morrison type stuff and stuff like that. And then some jammy stuff. And then I moved away and then I started doing a bunch of solo stuff with the ovation. No. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, standing up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, I was a pretty crappy songwriter back then, but I did make a mixtape, I think when I was 16 or uh, a CD that I did of originals. I, mm -hmm. I had yeah. about, 10 songs on them that were super Dave, Davey. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was that time. And then I, I moved to Asheville after that and started doing jam band stuff forever. So was your guitar playing Dave Matthews style also? Not really, no. Who's this? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, he's a great guitarist. Yeah. In fact, he's one of the most original guitarists Very out there. Very original. But no, I wouldn't say that my style was like, I was Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix. That, that was all my my bread and butter, Stevie Ray, you know, stuff like that. Back then, that was my stuff. And then, of course, all the jam band guys, Trey. And uh, Jake Sinegar, the guy from Umphreys, was like probably one of my all-time favorites. I, there's still so much of what I do. Uh, you can hear him, I think, in what I do. But uh, I did that for a while. And then I, um, yeah, I did jam band stuff in Asheville. And then I moved to California. And then I really didn't play out for years. I mean, really? Yeah, I, I was growing weed in California. And when you live on the mountain, there's nothing but growing weed. So <laughs> That's what you do, huh? Yeah, I mean, I played guitar and I wrote actually some of my favorite stuff. I, I did a lot of writing up there and practicing by myself, but uh, no playing out. And uh, then when, when I, I got done with that, I moved back to Asheville and I started playing out and I started getting... So how long was the California period? Seven years. Seven years. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. And then back to Asheville. Back to Asheville. And uh, with a actually, that was divided because I did come back to Asheville, I think, once or twice for a little bit. And I was playing out with some, some bands. Um, my buddy Rom, I think I used to play with Rom Mandelkorn, who's in a band called the Rom Squad. Check it out. It's great stuff. And uh, my buddy Jacob... Um, we would gig together. That was like 2011-ish or something like that. And then I didn't play again for a long time. And then I uh, started uh, gigging. And all the gigs were bluegrass. So that was where the work was. And then it just became my life. And now I'm obsessed with it. And I love it. And I'm so thankful to know about it. And it's the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. Oh, yeah. How, how often do you hear that about bluegrass? You know, I mean, it's like it just sinks its, you know, like bluegrass just sinks its hooks in people sometimes and just, mm -hmm. you know, you can't get away. Mm -hmm. It's a whole 
universe. Mm-hmm. And the the scene in the community is like, I, I just never knew. Everybody, almost everybody who is part of the scene plays. Mm-hmm. Everyone at least dabbles in one of the instruments, fiddle or banjo or whatever. So uh, the the bluegrass festivals are the coolest, man. I mean, there there will be a hundred people all jamming together. Everybody's got, it's just jam fest insane which is cool and they all know there's like you know the standards that everybody knows so everybody kind of knows all the same songs and uh yeah when you hear good bluegrass too there is a feeling you get you don't get anywhere else for for music even before i i was really into it um i would go into a bar and there'd be a tight bluegrass band playing or or that celtic even style music and i'd be like this is the coolest sound i've ever heard yeah and I, I think it just always came naturally, so I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. Cool. Let's let our listeners hear one of your tunes, man. Tell okay. us about uh, tell us about "Back to the Country." "Back to the Country" is a song that I wrote while in California, and it's about going back to the farm. Actually, there's some bunch of hints in that song about my life during that time. Hound dogs. We had some hound dogs on uh, on the farm, and. One of them was my favorite dog that ever lived. Her name was Gracie. I wrote a song about her too, but it's not recorded. And uh, What kind of hounds? Uh, she was a tree-walking coon hound, but we had four black and tans up there. And uh, they just roamed. She would fight bears, and she was wild. <laughs> she literally, she bit a bear on the heel. And uh, she had Running no fear, off. man. We'd be going to sleep, and she'd be going out into the woods to hunt bears. But uh, yeah, that song is about that time on the on the farm growing weed and um, going back up on the mountain for the season, pretty much. Are those dogs used to hunt bears? Is that what they do? They are. The tree-walking coonhounds are specifically yeah. bred to hunt bears. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's check it out. Back to the country. how much my voice has changed since then it's kind of weird when was that yeah, recorded in what way uh 2019 like, right that was like 2016 yeah. oh really mm-hmm. yeah no kidding um but yeah in what ways do you hear hear it change I, I just i well first off i hate my own voice so i'm gonna hate it no matter what but uh <laughs> i just feel like i've gotten a little better since then which is good i wonder yeah. how many people love listening to their own voice not many there's a few there's a few. <laughs> I guarantee it. Yeah. Who comes to mind? Ariana Grande. Yeah. I was, I was going to say Justin Bieber. Yeah. 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 I mean, dude, I would too. Yeah. I love hearing his voice. Like yeah. an angel. <laughs> like a little Bieber angel. Soothing but who knows? Sleep. Maybe Justin Bieber's like, gosh, I hate my voice. 
I doubt it. <laughs> I hope not. I, I'm my own worst critic, but I will say I I have gotten so much better because I've been gigging so much. Mm. I think I always it's a muscle. Yeah, it is. It is, and I always spent so much time working on guitar and not so much time working on my voice. And I I've just been playing 300 shows a year, and I can tell that I'm starting to feel it. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So trying right. to find my sound. Yeah. Man, that's a cool song. I gotta ask: is that is that someone playing the spoons? Is that actual spoon player in there? It's uh, what what did we use? We recorded. I recorded that in Los Angeles with my buddy John Ashley, who um, originally was a engineer and producer at Echo Mountain, which is the studio in Asheville. Yeah, which is where I did the main tracking. But um, after we did the main tracking, he moved to LA, and uh, we did it at his house. And I think we. Oh, we took a, all right. So we took a grill off of a stove and got a knife. And so I'm holding the grill like this. Are you serious? And I'm and I'm running the knife like this on the grill. Oh wow. Yeah. So well, that's yeah. what that sounded. Wow. Let's, let's listen to it again. Oh, dude. That's Kill cool. Away. I'm sitting there thinking that if that is a spoon player, it has to be the uh, has to be the lady you see on YouTube because she's the only one that could play that consistently. Oh, she's, yeah. <laughs> I, I told you, Neil, I saw her on the sidewalk in Nashville, man. And I, we, my wife and I sat there and watched her for 15 minutes. Oh, you would think, do. how do you watch somebody play the spoons for 15 minutes? But this lady was amazing. You know who I'm talking about, Andrew? Have you ever uh-uh. seen her on YouTube or anything? No. Oh, what, my God. What's her name? Spoon Lady. Uh, Spoon, I think she goes by Spoon Lady, yeah. yeah. Will, yeah. You, will you tell me that later? Find me the channel? Yeah, yeah. She's going to be on tour with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hit her up. <laughs> it's there was some, uh, I, I, I was uh, on Instagram the other day, and one of the ads was like for this spoon thing. It wasn't actual spoons, but it was like an easier kind of spoon hack thing, and I almost ordered it, but I didn't. Yeah. It looked I really see- cool. I know somebody that plays the bones. Yeah, I've been learning how to play the bones. Really? Yeah. Uh, what? What is that? Yeah. So, it's, it's, uh, well, since you asked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you got it right there. Sit on under pressure here. Oh, cool. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I got the triplets down. That's great. Yeah, you definitely. Uh, all right, so I got a lot of work to do. It's, it's the, the ear peaker. The ear what peaker. those are called. <laughs> the treble, the treble blaster. Yeah, right in your ear holes. Uh, so I, I love him, it, man. <laughs> I, I took him down Neil's one night, and he said, uh, I, "I think I learned something about the bones. They're better in moderation." <laughs> <laughs> I, I would imagine if we were all if we were all buzzed right now and your reds, if we're jamming and half drunk, I think those would be a hit. Yeah. See, well, here's the thing. He was teaching that night as well. Oliver was there, and Oliver was learning how to play the bone. So it was two. I had it in surround sound, two sets. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was it was something. It was Y'all got something. some earplugs. Yeah. Well, yeah. I did find this uh, old old free PDF with videos, bone instructional guide. Wow, wow, wow. And, and what he said was I've seen that PDF too You know what I'm saying I don't think it's the same PDF though <laughs> Boning instructional guide <laughs> Born PDF <laughs> we, he, we kind he of did. ship you right How in old here. are y'all <laughs> He did say don't uh, You know You don't want to play the bones too much yeah. That's a that's the best You'll go blind That's a <laughs> 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 yes, <laughs> I've heard that too. <laughs> oh man! Oh, nice. <laughs> That's cool. Um, you just order them, or you bought them somewhere? Or? Yeah, I got those on Amazon somewhere. Those are wood, but you know, I think they originally started. I think they were actually rib bones from like pigs or deer or anything. So you can make your own. Yeah, <laughs> I love little stuff like that. I'll probably order some. <laughs> yeah, first time I ever saw him was with the Carolina Chocolate Drops. Is that the yeah? Yep. Mm-hmm. Carolina Chocolate Drops. They're awesome. Yeah, and that dude kills it. And I was like, I want to learn how to do that. And you know, man, I mean, to your credit, 
You're good at it. <laughs> You're good at it. At least he's good at it. He's good at it. He's in time. He's good at it. He's got the trips. It's the best part of the face. He makes the face. All right, Andrew. So uh, how long uh, has it been that you've had the, the bluegrass bug? Uh, mm, let's see. I've always... That's the thing. I've always kind of had a proclivity, even when I never listened to that style of music. I always would... When I would write, I would write stuff like that, you know? Like, uh, when I wrote Back to the Country, I wasn't like a bluegrass head during that time, but I, I just always... I think it's in my blood or something. Mm. But... Uh, so I always kind of had a knack for it. And... Um, do you hear a lot of bluegrass in North Carolina? Uh, oh, God, yes. Yeah. At least Western North Carolina. Asheville is like, I don't, it's not Nashville, but it, I think it's better than Nashville because it's way more real, you know? There's some hubs. I, I know that Asheville is a big hub, and I think Denver is a pretty big hub. Mm-hmm. Different style, but it's it's huge there. And... Well, man, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to name drop because I was looking through your uh, bio and you shared the stage with some pretty uh, pretty big names, man. Like, who, uh, who, have, you, who have you played with? Uh, well, I've played with some members of their bands more so than the actual people, but I've, I've played with, uh, I played with um, Catch of Old Crow. Mm-hmm. I got to play Wagon Wheel with the guy who wrote it. That was oh, kind of wow. fun. Um, and Molly Tuttle, I played with her. Yeah. She's amazing. Unbelievable. And, uh, let's see. The, uh, so the guy who, um, played with Billy Strings for, for quite a few years, his name's Drew Madelich. He's the baddest dude pretty much in the state, if you ask people. Uh, he lives in Asheville, so he, he plays mandolin, but it's actually his first his first instrument is guitar, and he's a beast on both of really? them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's some some videos of me and him playing. He's just, he's great. So uh, Drew is awesome. And now I'm racking my brain and wondering what all it was. I played with, <laughs> uh, I played with uh, the Ween drummer, you know, the band Ween. Mm-hmm. I, I played uh, lead guitar in his band for a while, which was really cool because I'm a big Ween fan. So, awesome. he never knew how big how big a fan I was because I didn't want to be weird around him. But uh, <laughs> that's even better. Yeah. So there's one name I gotta ask you about. Uh, where, where does George Clinton fit in? His drummer. I didn't play with him. I played with oh, his drummer. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I saw that yeah. name in there, and I was thinking, huh? Yeah. He interesting. Uh, he was. He had this thing called the Big Old Nasty Get Down, and oh. uh, they. It was a a lot of Asheville musicians and the. Um, the drummer for that band uh, used to play downtown a lot, and I, I would jam with him. So, oh, dude, looks good on your resume. It's not actually George Clinton, but yeah, yeah, who cares? Members of George Clinton. I've been a George Clinton fan since 1982. That's when uh, I was in. I'm, I'm aging myself here, but I was in high school when Atomic Dog dropped. <laughs> Holy shit! I love Funkadelic, man. That's my shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maggot Brain. Uh, I, yeah. I loved that album. Still do. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. <laughs> Great stuff. Good band. So you've uh, you you played with uh, quite a few different bands for quite a while, and have you just broke to primarily solo lately? Is it is it re- relatively recent? It's very recent that I've been doing the solo thing. Uh, I've just been doing that for about a year, a little over a year. So. Um, Really just kind of getting going with that. But uh, I am still in the band The Well Drinkers, which is a great band. If you haven't checked them out, please do. Uh, Jake is the main songwriter in that band, and he's incredible. We do some co-writing together, which I haven't done much of, but me and him have a really good chemistry with that. So uh, we write together, and the band's awesome. And we uh, that's who, when I, when I played with Molly Tuttle and Catch, that was who I was playing with. Okay. When we played with them. and. So yeah, it's pretty much that, and now I'm just doing the solo stuff. Mainly, I mean, it started out as a necessity for money because when you're playing in a five piece band, mm-hmm. I don't have a day job, so I'm poor, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I I get paid about two or three times as much when I play solo. So that's what I've been doing the most, and also I just want my own ship to steer, and I have you know 
I have a lot one of per, one person to rely on. One person to rely on. Uh, one person making the decisions, and just I just want to see what I can do with it, you know. And so I'm doing that, uh, but I'm just getting started. Hopefully, hopefully it'll keep going well. And uh, I also play in a band called the Pigeon River Messengers, which are also a pretty new band. I don't know if they have much content online, but it's my buddy Zach, who I played in Supper Break with, and his fiance Lori. And they're incredible songwriters. They write uh, kind of like uh, ballads, like but dark sounding ballads, like Appalachia ballads. Mm-hmm. They're so cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I've been playing with them. But that's pretty much it. Other than we I'm, we call it a band. It's the Bluegrass Brunch Boys. We do this. Uh, we're the house band at Jack of the Wood in Asheville. Every Sunday we, uh, we play every week. And it's guys from... Uh, well Drinkers, it's Zach from Pigeon River Messengers. It's uh, Norbert and Jeremy who are in Asheville Cats and the Well Drinkers. And then uh, James Schlender who plays in Songs from the Road Band, who is, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank now. They they uh, they are the backing band for a really, really amazing, I think he's a Grammy winner songwriter, but his name escapes me right now. But he, uh, James is a two-time national fiddle champion. I think he won the first time when he was 10 or 12. Oh, wow. He's yeah. a beast. That's I mean, insane. He, he's, he's one of the best musicians I've ever met in my entire life. Are these all Asheville-based bands? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you starting to uh, spread out your touring a little bit uh, solo, or what's that look like? I am. It's just, uh, you know, it's with with uh, the paychecks that I'm getting right now, I'm not quite to the point where I can get a hotel room and make a good paycheck. So I'm, I'm working towards that. But right now, it's pretty much just within driving distance of Asheville. I'll do all of Western North Carolina, uh, uh, Eastern Tennessee, Greenville and that whole area, and a uh, little bit of Georgia. But that's pretty much been the extent of it. Until the next phase. Yeah. Let's check out another song, man. Let's uh, tell us about Dial It In. Dial It In. I like this one. Is, uh, I like them all, but I love so, it. Well Drinkers, we, we played this uh, shindig out in the sticks. And it was uh, way out in the middle of nowhere in South Carolina. And uh, the, the stage was actually the porch of this old schoolhouse. It was a really cool building. And um, there was a girl in the audience that uh, we overheard and talked about for quite a while after that. <laughs> and she had. What do you mean overheard? Uh, well, okay, so she was she was quite pretty, and uh, she 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 was wearing overalls, and uh, but her voice was the lowest, deepest voice I've ever heard come out of a woman. So we talked about it for. For weeks after that, uh, because, is this a Lola story? Uh, uh, maybe <laughs> I don't. None of us ever ever found out, but uh, <laughs> she inspired us, and uh, and she we overheard her talking about uh, sleeping with her chickens, and <laughs> so uh, one day I was just thought about her and started writing a song about this deep voiced woman who has chickens, and I don't know. That was it's loosely based on this person that I've never met and don't know. <laughs> All right. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of a jingly thing. Check it out. Dial it in. Baby, and I'm gonna dial it in. Punk song. 
got a combination baby and I'm gonna dial it in You got a combination baby and I'm gonna dial it in Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would make you move. <laughs> so who uh, who are you playing with there? That's uh, Zach Dyke on mandolin. Um, that's uh, Cam Williams on bass. That is Jeremy Rilko on banjo. Adam Bachman on dobro. And James Schlender on fiddle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was recorded uh, at Nick Dauphiné's home studio. The one that I'm recording the solo album on right now. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. So when do you got a, you got a timeline on the stuff you're recording now? Shooting for February. February. Oh. Yeah. Is it a full album? It's twelve songs. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Baby. Cool. Yeah. 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 It's gonna have dial. <clears throat> it's gonna have dial and my friend on it too because those were supper break songs, but supper break broke up, so I just had those. So yeah, throwing that in there. And you. Uh, you got a recording session on that tomorrow. You were telling me on the ride over here, right? I'm supposed to, but if the truck's not fixed, I'm gonna have to cancel. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe I can, because uh, I think my buddy James is gonna get in there and do some fiddle, and Jeremy's gonna get in and play some banjo. So maybe I don't even need to be there for a part, of, quite a bit of it. But well, I tell you what, Andrew, you can roll with the punches, man. Because I don't know if I'd be, uh, I don't know if I'd be as relaxed and podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> if I was out at five hours from home and my truck was broke well, down, what, was, what, why not? What are you gonna do? Sit there and wait for him? Yeah. I, I, that's what I'm saying, man. I don't know. I just like I'd be y'all like I'm uh, with you. I'm with you, Andrew. It is what it is. I'm saying it's a good thing, it's but amazing. I don't know if I could handle. You could it. do it. Dude. Yeah, I could do it. Pass me some fighting cock. If I had enough fighting cock, I'd probably be all right. <laughs> if if I had some fighting cock, I'd probably <laughs> probably start bitching about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Give you a little different perspective. But you know what? Speaking of this, it, uh, it's really not bad. I would drink this again. I've never had it before. How much was that bottle? 17, did you say? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's and it's not deep. bad. Is that local? At uh, Bardstown. Yeah. Yep. Out of uh, what? 25 minutes from here? Yeah. Yeah. Or so. Good price. Bourbon capital of the world, baby. Asheville, yeah. Asheville bourbon is not that cheap. Not that good either. Not. <laughs> it's not real bourbon. This is Kentucky. We hate we hate to tell you, Andrew, but it's not real bourbon. I know. It's got to be made in Kentucky. Man. Is that true? It's hey. like champagne. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, it's people <laughs> call it bourbon everywhere now. My buddy, okay, that's our rule. While we're on the subject, uh, Adam, who plays Dobro, he plays in the Well Drinkers, and uh, he was in Supper Break, and he's in the Bluegrass Brunch Boys. But he's a distiller. He was on the show. Uh, What's the show? Masters. Moonshiners. No. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's a really, really good distiller. That's what he does. He just sends us some stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's always, he used to always have just, you know, here, try this bourbon or this whatever. Oh. So good. Neil, we ought to build a steel up here in the woods. You ready? Yeah, just for the hell of it. Yeah. Top Hill Bourbon? Yeah. I bet you can YouTube it. You can YouTube everything now. Hey, you know, we ought to make our own bourbon. That way we have to stop buying it. There you go. <laughs> Top Hill Bourbon. Top Hill Bourbon. Now, that really can make you hey, go blind, though, right? Top Hill Bourbon Company. Yeah. Wheels are turning. Uh-oh. Million-dollar idea. Let's go. Million. Yeah, it'll cost us a million dollars to keep I mean, like everything else. <laughs> so, Andrew, our listeners that want to follow you more closely, where do they find you? AndrewWakefield.net is the, the springboard Netting for... up. Yeah. yeah. Find everything there. Mm-hmm. Easy. I see that's 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 how you do it. Nice and easy. So I was telling you. Go here, everything links from there. Right? That's right. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Mark of a professional. Like yeah. tophillrecording.com. Yep. So you know, Andrew, I was telling Neil last night, I've been watching my wife and I've been watching this show on Netflix called History 101. If you like history shows, it's pretty cool. Like it's like it started out with the history of GPS. And then the second episode was, I think the second or third was the history of the MP3. And they went into, you know, history of Napster and all that. But there were some stats in that show that just stuck in my brain. And one of them was 
the number of new songs uplaid, uploaded daily to Spotify alone. 1.7 million. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Neil's guess. And I'm like, man, you just, maybe nope. it's not as impressive as I thought if your guess was 1.7 million. <laughs> but over 60,000 new songs per day That's are uploaded lot. to Spotify. That's still a lot. That's Hell ridiculous. yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, if you multiply that by 365, well, how many is that a year? Well, here's the thing. Oh, That's God. A lot. But the, the crazy thing is like, that the process to get something on the Spotify, you know, you got to go through the copyright, you got to upload to like a platform that's, that does your streaming services for you and all that. So it's not like the casual songwriter that just writes this thing and records it. And it's people that are, I'm so, going to go through the process to pay for this. Yeah. So, so think about you go through a distributor first, usually. You think about other places, maybe it's easier to upload too. How many new songs there are, like uh, Bandcamp, which is probably probably less. I wonder if it's less. I wonder what SoundCloud is. I guess they're SoundCloud. Oh, yeah, the that's nobody does that anymore. That has, that's the one that has one point seven million. Yeah, because they're international. <laughs> yeah. Well, Spotify is too. You know what's on my SoundCloud? I got a SoundCloud somewhere in the ethers, and the first the only I. It's only I think it only has two or three things on there, but it's an interview that my cousin Sean Greshel did with my grandmother when he was like 10 years old. Yeah, and it, she was probably 80, 75. Well, Sean, she was the greatest. But I, I had oh, that. Man, I hope y'all still have that. That'd it's be somewhere. Cool. Yeah. I do, I know. Yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. Pretty amazing. <laughs> Which I had an interview with my grandma. I know, man. It's the only one that I, we, we found, but it's just, it's like 20 minutes. Yeah, I wonder what was that like? Did he do it for like a school project mm -hmm. or something? Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. He did. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> you didn't know back then how special it would be later. You, you don't. You know, man, that's the crazy. You know, I, I saw this uh, actually right before I, you picked me up. Hey, Brad picked everybody up today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't mind. What the hell am I going to do? Yeah, just it was a house fire and, and they lost pretty much everything. And it's always just like, man, all the stuff is cool, but it's, it's those little things. I guess that's awesome about digital storage with pictures and, and memories like that. Because, you know, I, I thought that I've lost most of my pictures several times from like when the kids are babies. It's devastating. Yeah. Well, now that, yeah, no, so much of that's digital now. I mean, like his podcast. Gosh, we've captured a lot of history on his podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Next, uh, next one's 150. Yeah. Sure is. Yeah. Wow. wow. Congrats, y'all. <laughs> 150 episodes. Yeah. 149 right now. Anything yeah. special? or? Yeah, we need to talk about it. We're going to have a celebration. Or 150? Yeah. Oh, let's yeah. wait for 200. Okay. That'd gonna, be another year, though, right? I was going to go shirtless or something. I don't know. Yeah. You got to do something. Do it totally nude, Nick. <laughs> I heard just it here on a 149. Neil's going totally nude for episode 150. Just bottoms <laughs> down. Sponsored by Fighting Cock. <laughs> <laughs> you'll go blind. <laughs> fighting Cock. You'll go blind. <laughs> we need to be sponsored by these guys. Let's Heaven call Hill. them, man. We'll send Sponsors. it to you. Yeah. All right, Andrew, man, we appreciate yeah, you hanging Thank out you. with us. Thank We're looking you. forward to uh, doing these one-shots. I'm looking forward to hearing, hey, yo, it's $113, your truck or your vehicle's fixed. I hope so. I hope I it's hope no God. big deal. Yeah. Just a little, little uh, attachment. Man, I hope so. Yeah. We're going to go out, though. We're going to go out with my friend. Tell us about my friend. Uh, my friend was a song that I wrote in California, and the song was originally about uh, uh, this weed broker that I knew who screwed everybody over and stole money and um, kind of ostracized himself. Um, Can't blame him. There's not enough money in weed. Oh, yeah, dude. Not anymore, <laughs> man. Look, it's, yeah. it's, it's weed. You, everybody's nice. You'd think so. You get out there, man. The hell's wrong with it's that It's a dude. business. It's a business. It's not like that anymore, but back then, there was a lot of money getting thrown around, and mm -hmm. people would screw people over. It's straight cash business back then, pretty much, too. A lot, money. Of, a lot what of money does, money. man. So, yeah, that's what that song is about. All right. Well, let's check it out. Thanks again, Andrew. Thank yeah, you. Man, thank you.
deadlines a little too late well, you're chasing a dream but it's not what it seems is it now placing your bets on someone else's dime can't answer your phone when it's deal making time you just drop off the Nothing to show Well, for someone like you I guess that's how it goes But can I ask you one question My friend What does it mean No reason at all It never would have happened If you just made a call Now you're sitting home alone Staring at your phone on the table Well, you started the game And made it to the top But your ego got hold of you And knocked you right off Sour taste in your mouth Stinching your nose Well, for someone like you I guess that's how it goes